Chapter Eight: A Fence Around the Law, Trouncing Tradition. Jesus will not be domesticated. John Piper. The religious leaders of Jesus' day had what they thought was a terrific way of helping people apply the commands of Scripture to every aspect of their day-to-day lives. They verbally passed on extra traditions of teaching from generation to generation to accompany and expand upon their written Torah. Taken all together, these rules were called the tradition of the elders, or oral Torah. They were considered a fence around the law. Based on the "better safe than sorry" principle, these fences of tradition were designed to keep people conservative, conventional, conformist, and supposedly far away from sin. In order to break a law and thereby fall into sin, a person would first have to intentionally hop the fence of tradition. If Jesus was willing to break the rules of the Bible in order to make his point, he was even more merciless with inherited religious tradition. Fences are fine for cattle, but sheep need a shepherd. Jesus and his disciples opted out of what were very important religious traditions in first-century Judaism. For instance, remember the holy hand-washing ritual described in chapter one. As you might expect, Jesus and his disciples did not participate in this sacred tradition. See Mark seven. When the religious leaders challenged them on this issue, wanting everyone to conform to the norm, Jesus defended his position by going on the offensive. You are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. Mark seven nine, and you ignore God's commands in order to follow your own teaching. Mark seven thirteen, these would be shocking words to people who believe their traditions reflected God's will. Jesus made it clear that tradition must take a back seat to the Scripture it claims to be based on. Furthermore, as we saw in the previous chapter, Jesus believed that even the Scriptures themselves must submit to His own authoritative interpretation. So Jesus considered himself, not religious tradition, the first and last word on how to interpret and apply the Bible. This does not mean that traditions can never be helpful spiritual tools. The New Testament speaks positively of traditions on more than one occasion. For example, First Corinthians eleven two, Second Thessalonians two fifteen, and three six. At the same time, the New Testament also contains strong cautions about religious tradition. Matthew fifteen one to twenty, Colossians two eight. So why would Jesus and his earliest followers give religious traditions at best mixed reviews? The answer, I think, may be found in the origins and evolution of religious traditions. We can illustrate how traditions evolve by making up a hypothetical biblical law. Let's pretend that God clearly communicated through Scripture that, for reasons known only to Him, it is wrong for His people to sit in red-colored chairs. Now, remember, this is a symbolic exercise. I have it on good authority that God actually likes red chairs. So, God's Torah says, "Thou shalt not sit in red chairs." Now, the role of spiritual leaders would be to communicate this teaching to each generation, and perhaps to suggest ways that this rule can best be maintained in their particular day and age. So, the next generation of religious leaders make a suggestion: God's people should never be within ten feet of a red-colored chair. This fence is designed as a helpful tool to aid people in their desire to obey God's law. But now an insidious process has begun. The next generation inherits that new suggestion as a rule and tacks on their own helpful addition. It is wrong for God's people to even look at red chairs. There, that should help people deal with the problem of temptation.
Further generations add, God's people must never be in the same room as a red chair, and they should never be in the same house as a red chair, and so on. Eventually, most of the religious leaders' time is taken up debating whether or not it's spiritually lawful to shop at Ikea, a whole lineage of rules and regulations that God never intended thus evolves around this one topic. Sin avoidance has been systematized, righteousness has been mechanized, and little room is left for deviation and diversity. Like a holy snowball, the religious tradition in Jesus' day had grown heavier over the centuries. The rules had begun to rule, and that was Christ's primary complaint against the tradition of the elders. Rather than help people move closer to God, as no doubt the religious leaders originally intended, their religious traditions had become a collection of heavy burdens, Jesus' words, and were more of a stumbling block to simple faith. See Matthew 23, 4. Jesus had little tolerance for those teachings that made faith a complicated and burdensome matter. And so, even well-meaning traditions can sometimes discourage thoughtful faith. Although the first generation to begin a tradition may have put great thought into its meaning, this doesn't guarantee that future generations will infuse the traditions with the same thoughtfulness. In fact, religious people often use traditions to do their thinking for them. In the end, traditions that claim to be Bible-based can subtly supplant Scripture in the lives of people who claim to follow the Bible. So while tradition is a mechanism that we use to pass on truth from generation to generation, often only the mechanism gets passed on. To counter this, each new generation of believers must rediscover their roots and go back to the source teachings for themselves. Reliance on religious traditions can create another danger, a false sense of security. Few people feel as spiritually safe as religious traditionalists do. After all, they have meticulously woven serving the Almighty into the pattern of their lives. How could He ever be displeased with them? They serve God by habit rather than by discerning choice. This tends to create blind spots for religious people that affects even their reading of their own sacred texts. They filter their understanding of Scripture through their traditions and routines and thereby usually come to conclusions that reaffirm their own traditions. More than once we read about Jesus calling the religious leaders blind guides, Matthew 15, 14, Matthew 23, 16, and 24. These blind spots can make it easy for hypocrisy to take root, which was Jesus' main grievance against religious leaders. See Matthew 23, 28 and Luke 12, 1. Jesus went out of his way to discount disrespect and dismantle blind adherence to inherited rituals, and he called his followers to flatten the fences of their tradition. The early church got the message and refused to pass on the oral Torah to future generations. When Mark wrote his gospel just a few decades later and mentioned the tradition of ritual washings, he had to explain what it was all about for his Christian readers. See Mark 7, 3 and 4. So it seems as though at least the first few generations of Christ followers didn't get bogged down with the religious traditions of their spiritual ancestors, but followed Christ's inside-out principle of purity. See Luke eleven forty-one. The great freedom and frustration of Christ following is that the forms of this faith are open to diversity. We cannot rely on inherited traditions to do the thinking for us, or else we may slowly evolve into something quite unlike what Jesus intended. This is, by the way, why I strongly believe in sticking closely to what the Bible teaches, not to be an oppressive legalist, but to avoid oppressive legalism, which is usually the result of human tradition being added to the Bible and passed off as scriptural teaching. I find the original teachings of Jesus completely freeing. Why would anyone want to deviate from that?